When we are not planning the next Emirates Airline Festival of Literature, we're guessing who done it, debating the ultimate feel-good novel, or reading the stacks of books that lie in our office walls. Then we talk to some of our favourite authors about these books on the Boundless Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast from the Emirates Literature Foundation. Subscribe today wherever you are listening right now. You'll also find a link in the show notes. This session was recorded at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature 2021 with a live audience. Welcome everybody to the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. Welcome to the audience here and welcome to the audience watching from home on the live stream. A big thank you first of all to the sponsor of this special session, Dubai Department of Tourism and Commerce Marketing. I'm Amandeep Bangu and I'm delighted to be a small part of today's very special session. The theme of this year's festival is change the story. But I'd argue the festival has been doing that ever since it started 13 years ago. And that's why a few years ago it attracted my attention. I was inspired. As a BBC journalist, I came out here to report on how the festival itself is changing the story and challenging the status quo and challenging perceptions of how the world sees the Middle East, especially the UAE. So it's very fitting that today's star guest, well, she's been chosen because her life is all about changing the story and changing history. Of course, Malala Yousafzai is a household name, but in brief, she is at 23, someone who's already spent the last 12 years of her life dedicated to girls' education, an activist who's been campaigning and advocating for safe, quality, and free education for all girls around the world. And at just 17, she became the youngest Nobel laureate in the awards history. And to conduct the main interview for today's session, we have the UAE's homegrown talent, Alia Al-Mansouri. It's been such a pleasure to get to know this wonderful young lady. In brief, at just 15, she won a major science competition. That meant her experiment was selected to be the first UAE experiment to be taken on board the International Space Station in 2017. And now at 18, I can't believe you're only 18, she's an aspiring astronaut and she's determined to be the first Emirati woman to go to Mars. And I've already said, can I please be tucked into your suitcase? Because I want to go along too. It's such an honor, ladies and gentlemen, to share the stage with these two young Muslim women who are smashing glass ceilings. Of course, we have Malala joining us virtually, but her presence is big enough that we'll feel it here. And I'll be back towards the end of the session to invite you all to be part of the conversation. Please have your questions ready. We will be opening the floor to you. So less of me and more of these wonderful ladies. I shall now hand it over reluctantly, because I just want to be on stage with you both, <laughs> to Alia and Malala. Please give them a warm welcome. Thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you, Amandi, for such an amazing introduction. I can't believe that I'm being in one like conjoined thing with Malala. It's like blowing my mind right now because she's just an amazing person. So hi, Malala. It's so exciting to have you here. Um, and I'm so excited to ask you some questions. Hi, Alia. I am super excited. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And uh, you know what a kind introduction. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to our, uh, our talk today. Awesome. So, okay, so the first question is kind of based on the fact that we're in the Emirates Literature Festival. So, what is your favorite book? Something that really has a big impact on your life and is very influential in your writing as well. So, well, you know, I'm here surrounded by books. Uh, this is my room. And uh, I fell in love with books when I was, you know, eight or nine years old. And uh, I was just curious, you know, how do people read so many books? and uh, the first book that I read was The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And I fell in love with that book. And I call it my all-time favorite book. And I and I sort of stick to that. But there are other books that I have read that I really enjoyed. Uh, for instance, uh, 50 Words for Rain by Asha Lemmy that I recently read. 
It is uh, an incredible novel uh, set in Japan after the Second World War, and uh, the story is just deeply moving and and touching. And it covers the life of this, uh, you know, young girl uh, who's only eight years old, and, and it's it's fascinating. So I uh, strongly recommend that. Uh, another book that. Um, I really enjoyed was uh, was Plato's Republic, which I studied in university. So I sort of did a bit of research on that, and uh, you know, a book from 2,000 plus years ago. Uh, and and you know, Plato has written many many books, uh, but it's just fascinating how he's setting this dialogue on how to define justice individually, and then how to define it for a state, uh, for community. Uh, so. Uh, I, I I love books, and uh, uh, you know I enjoy novels and um, um, you know nonfiction. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit scared of like sort of those horror stories. So I don't know how to like you know get into those kind of books and just the sci-fi kind of stuff. So I'm not into that yet. Uh, but yeah, these are some of the books that I enjoyed. But there there are so many. You know, there's Sophie's World, which goes into the history of philosophy. Um, you know, prisoners' geography, so so many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't read horror books either. <laughs> I agree with you on that. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about something that I'm sure people would not want to hear. So when I say COVID-19, just close your ears. Um, <laughs> but with COVID-19, a lot of girls around the world may never return to the classroom. And to see the numbers of girls impacted by this, 27 million in Brazil, around 2 million in Ethiopia, 158 million in India, and 21 million in Pakistan. Um, since you're someone who's very educated on education and you've created a huge impact on everyone and especially girls around the world, how can the world overcome this setback? So uh, at the start of this pandemic, Malala Fund conducted a research and it was based on the Ebola crisis. And based on that data, uh, the result was that there is the risk that 20 million more girls can drop out of school. Uh, and the reasons vary. It could be because uh, many girls are pushed into forced marriages or because they have become the financial supporters of their family uh, and they now have extra work to do and they would not be able to return to school. So there is that gender disparity when we look at what would be the impact of COVID-19 on education right now while the pandemic is happening, but also what happens when the pandemic is over and children start returning to school. There is the risk that many girls would not be able to return to school. And yes, you know, uh, we need to ensure that we act on this sooner than later. It is urgent. It is, you know, we need to treat it as an emergency. Uh, and it is part of, you know, this pandemic. Pandemic has uh, the, you know, the health cost, and it also has sort of the economic and education and the social costs as well. It affects jobs, it affects our daily lives, it affects our education, it affects women and girls in vulnerable communities and minorities. Uh, so we cannot ignore those facts. So I hope that, you know, government, teachers, uh, civil society, uh, you know, education activists, they will all play their role in this. Uh, making sure that they give full attention to uh, girls' education, make it their priority, ensure that girls are learning at this time from home. Uh, and this was something that was you know, very important to Malala Fund, and that's why Malala Fund started projects that were focused on uh, education during COVID time, including digital learning, including online classes, uh, and we support local activists in more than eight countries, including Pakistan, India, Nigeria, Brazil, uh, and uh, you know our, our the, the activists that we are supporting. Uh, one of them in Nigeria, they started doing radio lessons because that's uh, you know people listen to radio a lot in the northern states, and that kept, that kept children uh, continue their learning in this time. In Pakistan, they worked on uh, you know a, a, a mobile app and also. Of providing this, you know, these lessons through the national television. So there are ways in which you can make sure that children continue to learn. But the next step is making sure that girls return to school. And then there's that long-term recovery that we need. You know, uh, pandemics, such crises, whether these are economic, uh, health-related crises, they are unpredictable. And uh, you know, we're always living in in some level of uncertainty. And what worries me is, you know, we make progress every year, every day. We are working really hard. This has been the work of many activists who are working on the ground in so many countries. Everybody's playing their role. They're working really hard to make this world 
a better place for everyone, to make this an equal place for everyone. But there is the risk that this progress, this decades-long progress, could be lost in seconds. A pandemic hits, and then there are millions of more girls who are at risk of losing their education. So the figure that we have, that 130 million girls are out of school, that could increase rather than decreasing. So it, it has, you know, this has been a time of awakening uh, for me because it, it, it's just a reminder that things are not always as you uh, perceive them to be. Uh, so it's, it's important that we keep this as part of our policy, as part of our future work for change, uh, to be aware of what could be the impact of such disasters uh, on the progress that we make and ensuring that you know, we look into girls, uh, its impact on girls and women especially so that they do not miss out because gender is uh, a crucial factor in there and gender does you know, play a role and women and girls are discriminated more in these scenarios. Mm -hmm. So uh, speaking of the Malala Fund, um, it has done so much for so many girls around the world. Um, and I wanted to know, what do you hope to achieve with the Malala Fund in the foreseeable future? So like in 5, 10, 20 years, what is something that um, is your dream to achieve through that? Oh, well, Alia, uh, I have you know, this one simple but big dream, which is that all girls should be in school and they should have the right to receive safe, quality, and free education. They should have the right to have complete 12 years of education and every girl should have the right to to dream and then fulfill those dreams and achieve those dreams uh, and be in a classroom, read and learn. So that is my dream. But to be more realistic, uh, unfortunately, as I mentioned, the number of girls who are out of school is very big. It's huge. It's in millions. But also the girls who are in school and they're not receiving the quality education, it's equal to learning nothing. So there is a big issue there as well. You know, what are children, what are girls learning in school? Is the, is the education that they're currently receiving preparing them for their future? Is it preparing them for uh, the digital world that we you know, are already living in, but it's going to become more uh, you know, technological and digital? Uh, are we ready for that? Are we ready for the future work uh, force? Um, so th there are so many questions uh, related to that. But I hope that in, in five to 10 years, uh, we have more and more girls in school. I hope that the number that we have, 130 million, I hope that goes down by a lot. And uh, I, especially in Pakistan, that's you know where I come from. And uh, that's where I started my activism. I was 11 years old when uh, Taliban announced uh, a ban on girls' education. And thousands of girls in Swat Valley could not go to school. And I, you know, I, I remember that time when I wanted the world to speak out for me and for girls in Swat Valley. Uh, and I know that there are so many girls in my place right now who want the world to understand that this is an emergency. We cannot take the education of our future generation uh, for granted. This is crucial. This is important. Uh, and uh, so I hope that in Pakistan as well, we see more girls in school and uh, and and I and I hope that you know we live in a world where girls can have dream and they can achieve their dreams. That's a wonderful answer, and I hope that that dream comes true. Um, so I loved your book, We Are Displaced. It is, if you guys haven't read it, it's amazing. Um, and I loved how you showed different perspectives and so many stories of different girls from around the world who have faced so many hardships and had to leave their home. And I think that that's uh, these stories are very um, inspiring. So. Something that we often hear on the media, there are a lot of women who come on social media to speak about their own experiences, especially different parts of the Middle East, and they talk about how they are denied their education. Um, and mostly people you'll see in the comments, you'll find a lot of people who support these women, but you will also find people who say, just leave this to, to this girl and her family. It's a family situation, don't get into it. Um, what do you think the average person who is seeing this post on Instagram or on Twitter what should their reaction be? How can they support this girl? Um, well, we do come across such news, and uh, you know, from Elan Kurdi, the little boy who was seen on on you know on a seashore, uh, a little refugee kid, to to so many other stories that we have seen on the internet, on on Twitter, on these social media platforms, and they break your heart, and you are left in a situation where you want to help, but you don't know how to help. So we all go through this. 
and you know even though like you know i have in uh, in organization walala fund and like you know sometimes like i am also looking for answers and i can't find answers so i want to be realistic in this uh, it is it is difficult to uh, you know do you provide a donation or do you go and you know help the family or do you want to challenge the authorities do you want to challenge the government because these things should have been happening in the first place so there is that sort of you know the, the thinking that we all go through and it is frustrating uh, but uh, you know i personally believe that it's important that we recognize the impact that our actions that our deeds can have even if it's a small action such as you know doing one tweet doing a hashtag yes it can contribute to the cause to the to the change that we want to see so never under, underestimate the actions that you take uh, so i would say that you know there is there is no perfect ideal uh, uh, you know action that we all need to take you know we all can do what we can in our, in our capacity uh, the resources that we have the opportunities that we have the platform that we have to use those for the for the change that we want to see for the issues that we want to raise uh, so you know that could be highlighting it on social media to donating to the causes that we, that you care about uh, to writing a letter to your local uh, mp to your local uh, political leader to your government uh, and and asking them about the issue so there are so many ways and um, you know you can also support malala fund as well and uh, you know the information is on our website you can donate you can share the stories of the girls who are writing on malala funds uh, platform uh, which is called assembly and you know it girls from you know more than 100 countries are sharing their stories and so far we have hundreds of girls who have uh, you know shared their inspiring stories from talking about climate change to uh, you know their role in science and uh, talking about racism and sexism and and how they are changing that so they are you know highlighting the issues but also highlighting how they are playing their own role in changing uh, uh, the society that they are living in to make it a more equal uh, place for everyone well that's brilliant everyone should definitely go check the malala fund website personally i've looked on it and i've uh, seen a lot of stories and definitely inspired me and um, there's a lot of courses of action that people can take you know even the small things i think do matter um, speaking of which, you know, sometimes as a young Arab girl living in a household, maybe considered in a place where it's a little conservative, um, usually we hear things that are considered like small stuff, like comments mm -hmm. or certain traditions or actions that may have like misogynistic or sexist undertones. And, you know, usually for me, I think, oh, should I even comment about this? You know, will my family even care? Will this make an impact? Um, what do you think about this sort of situation? Should young women also fight for these little things? Mm -hmm. uh, to be honest, I think, uh, yes, somebody has to take that brave step to challenge the norms, to, to challenge the status quo, and set a new norm for the girls to follow, for the girls to look up to. So yes, we do need uh, that rebellion. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think, you know, it, if you for instance you know uh, a few decades ago women did not have that many role models and even to this day we still hear the news of you know becoming somebody becoming the first astronaut a woman becoming the first astronaut or a woman becoming you know the first ceo in the tech sector and so i think we are still in that in that phase of uh, women and minorities and people of color uh, going into these positions the first time but i I'm still hoping and waiting for that time when it's no longer a news. You know, seeing a woman as the CEO of a company is sort of normal, and any girl, uh, you know, in, in a in a school uh, can imagine herself being a CEO, being an astronaut, being a physicist, being a you know, being a political leader. So um, I do think that yes, you know, uh, that. Uh, challenging the status quo is important and i do agree that you know sometimes you have to speak to your family as well and sometimes you have to challenge them as well but it it depends it depends what what the issue is and what you want to talk about and uh, and sometimes it takes time you need to ensure, you need to understand that uh, you know if for instance if, if it's your own family you know your parents your dad your brothers uh, in order to talk to them 
you know it's it it can be difficult and it can and it can take time so you need you might uh, need a bit of uh, time in that uh, you need to uh, ensure that they understand it they see your point of view and that you also listen to them and and hear their point of view as well i think listening to each other is so important some something that uh, you know we are we are currently lacking uh, it's important to hear both sides and um, but i think it's important that you uh, that you raise your voice you raising your voice is important other than that like uh, for instance speaking out uh, online on social media uh, and you know we face trolls and we face hateful comments and then you know there's a comment challenging us and say you know like you know women are weak or things like that and which is like silly and absurd and we are just frustrated to see it and to hear it and we are like why is why is this happening why do i have to see this but i think in in those things you know it's completely up to the individual whether how they want to respond to it but i think it's better to uh you know to communicate your message uh in a in a reasonable way uh and uh, and but also sometimes rather than replying you know to those comments and things it's important that you continue uh as you are because sometimes they don't agree with the change that you have adopted within you uh you know they want you just to sit in the house not do any work not study not become a woman leader not become a woman uh, you know astronaut and and they want you to sit in the house so i think sometimes you don't need to reply you know in a comment all you need to do is continue your work i think that's a way for you to resist that's a way for you to respond that's a way for you uh, to answer that's brilliant um that's an advice that i will definitely take myself um so you know there's a lot of things around the world that you know we see and it makes us sad like these little comments that you were talking about definitely i yeah. see them in my comment section as well i'm like i'm just a young girl like do you have nothing in your day than to just comment on my instagram you know so th- there is these like ridiculous small things and um i'm sure you see those as well so with all of yeah. these bad <laughs> things in the world what keeps you motivated what keeps you going um as i said i think for me uh you know it's it's the change that we are bringing that is what scares the trolls <laughs> the change of women taking the lead the change of women becoming uh you know astronauts political leaders scientists ceos that is the change that is 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 just scaring some people and and that's the change that they don't want to see so rather than replying to their comments i think all we need to do is continue uh our work continue the uh, you know the inspiring work that we are doing for women and for the next generation of girls to follow so um for me it's like you know i don't care about what people say to me about you know the work that i'm doing for girls education uh you know i want to continue working on this until the day when all girls can go to school and uh, you know i'll i will be very happy with myself and with my work and then i can maybe take a bit of rest or join another job or something i don't know you can invite me to mars and i can uh see you there <laughs> uh but you know there i'm i'm sure there will be something else to do but um i think for me it's it's sticking to the things that i care about and sometimes i think the purpose of trolling is to make you respond is to make you care about the comments is to make you uh is is to make you doubt yourself and is to make you stop in your mission so as long as as soon as you start caring about the comments i think you're already uh you know underestimating yourself and you're already affecting your cause so make sure that you know even if you want to re- reply in a polite reasonable way that you know you're you still believe in your cause and you're not giving up on your mission but yeah we have to you know i think sometimes if it's a if it's a healthy conversation yes you know continue that i'm not saying you know completely dismiss that yeah and definitely i mean take this as a formal invitation to join me in mars um i i would love to have you there um so i know that you have so much regard for your family and i have that as well and for me they always share with me pieces of advice that like stick with me for the rest of my life Um what are pieces of advice that you can share with us that maybe your parents have given you or even your brothers that you think just stuck with you? Oh my brothers let's <laughs> start with that. Uh they both of my brothers are younger than me and uh you know we 
it's, it's sort of like the, the, the classic, typical family dynamics that we have, you know, siblings fighting with each other. And uh, uh, there's like this middle child and he feels like he's ignored. And I'm like the older one. So I'm supposed to be the bossy one. And then there's the little one who's always going to be the little one. Even though he's 17, he still receives so much love. And I'm like, I have never seen this much love from my parents. I was treated like an adult from day one. Uh, and uh, so, you know, that, that sort of uh, dynamics uh, continue. Uh, in our family and uh, uh, you know uh, I I'm sort of I, I give more advice <laughs> probably because boys need advice all the time yeah so <laughs> uh, and uh, but with my parents with my mom especially uh, she has been my mentor my friend uh, for you know for my whole life and she always gives me the best advice uh, to be kind to be generous to be patient uh, and these are also the values that my father has taught me, uh, not just not just you know by saying it. You know you can bring your child and and you know sit with your child and and then say it verbally. Yes, that can have an impact. But then do you do it yourself as well? And you look up to your parents in a way that you look up to their actions. What are they doing? You know they can tell you like you know don't lie and 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 you know be kind to everyone, but are they doing it themselves as well? So when you when parents want to be role models, they have to uh, you know, show it in their own actions as well. And I'm so, so grateful that I had parents you know, who, who did it for me throughout my whole childhood and continue to do so. So uh, you know, with, with, you know, with my father, I'm, I'm really inspired uh, by his kindness. He's a very uh, patient person. And uh, so I have a bit of patience from him. And my mom, I think we, we say that she's wise and she's, uh, you know, um, she, she has a good sort of sense of humor. And uh, uh, so, yeah, kind of maybe I have a bit of that as well. I don't know. But um, so I have learned from both of them. And, uh, you know, we all learn from each other and then sort of become your friends as well. Uh, and with my father, I said that he became a feminist before he even knew the word feminism. He, when we came to the UK and, uh, you know, after the attack, I was brought here for, for my treatment. And, you know, that's what we, when we started hearing these words like feminism, uh, but like for my father, he had started acting on it long time ago. Uh, and for him, it was not just to verbally say that, you know, women are equal to men, but for him, it was to practically show it and to take actions. So allowing me to go to school and then uh, allowing me to speak in, in, in gatherings, allowing me to speak to media, allowing me uh, to, you know, to have equal rights as my brothers. Uh, all of these things, right, they matter. So uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I had an amazing father and, and, and mother who uh, you know, have brought me up. And I'm so grateful uh, for that. But also, I, I often say to people that uh, there were so many other girls in Swat Valley who wanted to speak out. Who, and who were speaking out, but many of them could not continue their activism because their fathers or their brothers stopped them. The only thing that is different in my story is that my father did not stop me, nothing else. So there are so many girls and women out there who can change the world, who can uh, become activists for their community, who can do so much for their countries, but unfortunately, uh, men, the society, the, the so-called norms uh, prevent these girls from, uh, you know, having their voice, having their place in society. Yeah, I mean, I always say, you know, that I'm very grateful for my family, for my parents as well. You know, not a lot of young Arab Muslim girls get the opportunity to go up on stage and talk, and I'm very grateful for that. Also, I'm the youngest, so yes, we do get all the love in the family, um, and. Yeah, so it's amazing to see, like, I'm relating to Malala, and that, for me, is just awesome, you know? So um, I wanted to know, just, you know, more on a personal level, what does Malala like to do? What do you like to do? And, you know, I heard a rumor that you like to play Among Us, and I love that game. So do you still play Among Us? <laughs> to be honest, it was, it was because of COVID, so let's, I'll use that as my excuse. <laughs> Uh, but initially, like, you know, we were all just so bored and our classes were online and I'm, you know, a 2020 graduate. So uh, I had so many plans uh, for like finishing Oxford and I was like, I'm going to visit all these colleges and take a bus tour and do this and that. And then suddenly I'm just stuck at home and 
I take my exams at home, I graduate at home, uh, and then I only get the opportunity to go to Oxford for two hours to pack my stuff, and then they kick me out. And I was like, well, that's not the graduation that I expected to see, but it was happening to all students, and a lot of them you know, had to study at home and uh, could not enjoy that university experience. But again, grateful that I had the opportunity to study there. Uh, but then after that, you know, we were like, okay, so what do we do next? And then we were on House Party, which is an app, and you know, you are just having a conversation with your friends, and uh, and then you know, and it's it's like trending, and then it just you know goes down a bit. It's just uh, and then it's suddenly dead, and then you join something else. So and then we were like playing Among Us, and I I was quite good at it then, but now I have given up on Among Us. <laughs> I don't play it anymore, but uh, it was fun for a while, and it really helped me, uh, you know, get through this uh, COVID time. But other than that, you know, for me, doing, um, I am interested in learning, uh, you know, languages, and I can uh, already speak three languages: Pashto, which is my mother tongue, uh, which is spoken in parts of Pakistan and Afghanistan. There's Urdu, which is the national language of Pakistan, and it's spoken widely. You know, in South Asia, it's uh, and then there's English, which you know all of us learn. And uh, so currently, I'm learning Swahili, uh, and uh, it is you know spoken in parts of Africa, including Kenya. And uh, I'm really enjoying that, and I hope I can learn more languages as well, including Arabic, um, you know, Farsi. And uh, I'm also doing coding, but I'm like at the very basic beginners level. Also, like I'm, you know, I've graduated. I'm not um, currently taking a gap year, and I was hoping that I could travel, and I had, you know, lots of other plans. But because of COVID, I'm sort of stuck at home. So I was like, I need to keep myself busy and find something else to do. So that's what I'm currently doing, and reading books. Uh, so I have, uh, you know, I have this book club that I've started, which is currently, you know, in the US only, but they will hopefully expand it, which is called Literati. So in that, I uh, recommend a book a month, and it has been an incredible journey. Just Reading books, uh, and and I focus on books that are written by women of color, that are written by debut writers, uh, and you know these young incredible women who are taking this brave step to write their first book at very young ages, like from you know 20 to 24, and uh, and and it's you know their first book, and they do not even see that many role models, you know, somebody of their skin color, of their uh, of their background, having written a book. So it's a brave step for them to do that and to inspire other women and girls to do that. Uh, so, you know, from 50 Words for Rain to, to many uh, other books that, you know, that have been just uh, incredible. And uh, so, you know, I am trying to read more books this year. So that's, that's what's keeping me busy <laughs> right now. Yeah, definitely. And I'm a 2020 graduate as well, so I remember giving my graduation speech in the middle of my room, and I was like, this is not how I expected it to go. But it's definitely an experience that I will never forget. And uh, I feel like, you know, with my family there, it was more special because I could kind of see, like, my brother peeking through the room, trying to see if I'm done yet. And I'm like, no, not yet. Like, I don't want you to I appear know. in the background. It's so annoying. They were yeah. just, like, knock on your door. And I'm like, literally, oh, I'm doing yeah. an exam. And my father once he he brought like some tea and stuff for me. I'm like, I'm taking an exam. And you know, I only have like three or four hours. And do you think I, have, I would have time to drink this tea? So yeah, you know, there's, it's family. They care about you and like, you know, they love you, but they just don't know how to. Sometimes it's like, they're like, this is not the time. Uh, but I'm just, you know, what are your plans now that you have graduated? Are you doing any further studies? What do you want to do next? Um, okay, wow, so this is like a crossover, you're asking me a question. <laughs> um, so, well, currently I'm studying um, in the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. I'm meant to be there now, but because of the second lockdown, I'm currently here. Um, but yeah, so I'm studying biological sciences, and I'm hoping to also get a master's degree and a PhD degree afterwards. So I love just, I love, you know, learning more about science and the universe, and yeah. Okay. Well, with the PhD, I'm sure that's a long, long journey. Uh, Sounds like but, a long journey, yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. But you know, if you, you visit Edinburgh, let me know. You know, yeah. we'd love to meet you. Yeah, awesome. Okay, I'm gonna tell my friends there. They're like watching me. They're gonna be like, "Oh, we're meeting Malala." It means me. <laughs> um, okay, awesome. So I want to ask you also. Um, so you mentioned that you graduated in 2020. What are your next academic plans? Are you hoping to get another degree? Um, also, do you want to write another book? Mm -hmm. 
Well, uh, so I finished uh, my bachelor's. So I did philosophy, politics, and economics from Oxford. And uh, right now, I, you know, I'm, I'm just taking a bit of a break. But for my future, I'm thinking of doing masters, either in international education policy or in public policy, or maybe both. I don't know, but that's the plan for now. Uh, but I am just a bit worried and confused, and I'm sure many students are. Because you know, I I have done my undergraduate, so I have that college experience already. But you know, I'm still wondering if I need to be, you know, if I need to wait a bit to have that college experience again, to be in university, to be meeting people in person, and something you know that a lot of students are thinking about uh, in in terms of their education. Uh, so so it's quite hard because it, things are not the same in online classes, though there are advantages, you know. You can just like you know be in your bed, get up five minutes before the class, and <laughs> turn off your video. And like it's you know it's it's fun in 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 those ways because it's sort of easier in some ways. But then again, you know uh, these online classes can be exhausting as well. Uh, and I'm you know I'm sure you are aware of all of that. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of other things, yes, I hope I can you know write more books. But I, I don't have another story yet, so my mind is a bit empty right now <laughs> for for book stories. Uh, but I will, you know, I'll keep thinking, and uh, you know, but people can, you know, still read my the books that I have already written. Uh, you know, there's I am Malala, which is uh, about you know my, my life and my years. family's life, and uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> but back in 2013, I think that was a long time ago. And then there's We Are Displaced, as you know, thank you for mentioning that, and it covers the stories of refugee girls from. Uh, Different countries, uh, and uh, it's you know it's about their journeys at home, their journeys of becoming displaced and becoming refugees, and it really is, is heartbreaking the, the the struggles that these girls had to go through, uh, and and just you know sitting on these buses with strangers and walking for miles and miles, crossing borders, and then you know caught by security and just not knowing what's going to happen to them. Uh, and then hoping that they can go to a, a different place where they can, you know, just breathe in peace and they can feel safe and they are not scared if anybody is going to hurt them and they uh, are, you know, that they feel safe that they would not hear any bombs and any firings uh, and and that they will have a future. They will be able to get their education. So uh, you know, it brings in that human side uh, to these stories uh, because you know we often hear about refugees on. On TVs, in the news, and they're represented just as numbers. They're not represented to us as humans. Uh, and it's just a reminder to all of us, you know, that there are girls as young as 13 to 14 who are, you know, are taking these 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 risks to save their lives, to save their families' lives, and 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 to and to have a future which everybody deserves. Everybody has the right to be safe. Everybody has the right to. Uh, you know, to, to have a, to have their own future just because you know some crazy politics is happening. Why do innocent people have to suffer? And this is the tragedy of the political world that we are living in. Oftentimes, you know, it is these silly politics, and then the most innocent people in the country uh, have to suffer. They have to become displaced, refugees. They lose their lives. They become injured. Uh, so, so you know, the, the world has to change. But I think. And I would recommend that you read this book. And um, I have a children's book as well, which is a picture book, uh, Malala's Magic Pencil. And uh, so uh, I, you know, in in the UAE and like you know, in in sort of the, the whole South Asia and and, and that sort of geography, uh, a lot of us watch Indian dramas and Bollywood movies. So there used to be this drama, uh, uh, and it was called Shaka Like a Boom Boom, which was about this young little boy, and he has this magic pencil. And whatever he draws with the pencil becomes real, right? He draws food, and then you know there's food there. And he draws a policeman, and then there's a policeman there to save him. So I was very, very little, like probably seven or eight, and I used to believe in that magic pencil. And I would pray to God, like after every namaz, I would pray to God, like you know, like just give me that magic pencil, and I want to fix the world, I want to solve all the problems. And I was like, you know, put it in my drawer. I would not tell anyone. Just secretly put it there, uh, and. Then you start growing older, uh, but and you sort of forget about those dreams that you had when you were very little, just believing in anything, believing in magic. Uh, and uh, when I started speaking out for education, and uh, you know, when I realized that my voice was was having an impact, I was blogging for the BBC, I was writing my diary, and then you know, I, I got attacked just 
simply for speaking out. And, uh, and then I was, you know, had this global level support in my cause for education. I was just amazed by the power of my voice and writing. And I was just amazed by how much this can contribute to bringing change. And it's not just for me, but it's for everyone, you know. Do not underestimate what you can do through your words, through your voice, uh, through, you know, through your art, through your skills. So uh, since then, I was like, maybe I did find my magic pencil. <laughs> it was, you know, it was the activism that I was doing. It was, uh, you know, the fact that I was raising my voice for for my rights and for the rights of all girls. So, you know, uh, and Alia, you know, like you have your magic. We all have our our own magic. It's just finding that magic and and using it for uh, making this world a better place. So that was the children's book that I wrote. That's amazing. I mean, definitely you have a magic pencil, and that magic pencil has just transcended to everywhere around the world. I'm sure so many people are so inspired by you. Um, I was talking to my peers in university, and I was telling them I'm interviewing Malala, and they've just been super excited because, you know, we look up to you a lot, and you're an awesome person. And I'm sure, like, every time yeah. you speak, I look at the audience, and they're just watching, and they're like, wow, like, she's awesome. So. Thank you so much. Um, I think I'm going to hand it over to the Q&As now so the audience can ask co their questions. But it was lovely interviewing you. Thank you so much, Wow, that was so impressive, Alia. That was such a beautiful, intimate, warm, and such a much needed dose of optimism that we all need in these uncertain times. So thank you so much for that beautiful conversation, Malala and Alia. Another round of applause for that. Now is the chance to hand it over to our wonderful audience. There's mics positioned everywhere, so I'm just going to ask you one at a time to go up to the mics. That would be brilliant. Um, and as our lady approaches the mic, I'm just going to say, Malala, the um, tribute today to your Pakistani background is a salwar kameez. So we have a shared history. My ancestors are from India. And of course, um, as you write in I Am Displaced, the idea of internal displacement and people being divided in partition. This is a long history. So thank you for yeah. highlighting these issues. Um, and over to our lovely lady at the mic now. So if you'd like to introduce yourself and ask a question. Sure. Um, hi, everyone. Hi, Malala. Hi, Alia. My name is Alisar Nasr. I'm the chief academics officer at some schools here in Dubai. And while Alia says she looks up to you, maybe that's a definition of the age towards you, but you need to know that even us who are way older look up to you as well. Um, as someone who runs schools, I'm interested in knowing your perspective on if you could create right now a high school course that can be taught in schools, what would that course be? And why would it be what you choose? And in terms of filling up your time, I would be more than happy to engage you in video sessions <laughs> with our students every week. <laughs> All right? So if you have free time, you, you're booked. <laughs> Alia, you did a brilliant job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is my yeah. student, and I'm very proud I of her. From that well, well done, and great teaching there. Malala? Well, should I consider it as a teaching job offer? Uh, I would love to say that. And uh, well, uh, th that is a great question. And yes, you know, I talk about quality education and the content of education. And I think it matters. It's important. And you know, I have studied in Pakistan, and then I moved to the UK, and then I had to start my education in the UK. And I saw a huge difference in the education in both these countries. Uh, and that's just like my own personal experience when I was. In the UK, they had classes like uh, PE, physical education, and the cooking classes, and the drawing classes, and the, you know, painting, and and computer classes. And I was just amazed. Like I'm like, wow! I just never imagined these subjects as being part of education because growing up in Pakistan, for me, it was just supposed to be sciences and maths and um, and English language. And you know, it's it just opens your mind to the idea, like you know, what is education? How do we define education? So I think it's important that you know all jobs, all forms of art, all forms of work is uh, is you know is is valued, is appreciated, is respected, 
and uh, we should encourage children to follow their dreams and let their dreams not be constrained by any stereotypes, by any gender stereotypes. If a girl wants to become an astronaut, engineer, let her be. If a boy wants to become, you know, an artist, uh, a cook, you know, let let them be, and and you know, vice versa. So I think it's important that we, uh, you know, that that we allow uh, the children to have as much experience uh, in in all of these, uh, you know, uh, these education uh, fields, uh, and you know, sort of an introduction in all of these fields to education, and then they can choose what are the things that they want to focus on. But uh, for me, I think one uh, one subject which I really you know think a lot about and which I strongly recommend is critical thinking, especially in this day and age. Uh, we must be aware of the information that we are receiving. There is a lot of fake news out there. Uh, social media is full of information, and people sometimes struggle to figure out whether it is real or not, who's saying this. Uh, and I think you know, with critical thinking, you can develop those skills to question, you know, what does this piece of information say? Who has written it? Where does it come from? What is you know? Look into the source. Look into the arguments. You can look at its uh, look at the arguments plausibility and validity. So uh, you know, all of these skills are really crucial, especially in the time of internet, in the time of social media, in the time of fake news. Uh, and uh, you know, along with that. Uh, I also think that education, like you know, gender, sex education, is also very, very crucial. We women and 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 you know, both girls and boys, they need to be aware of, uh, you know, uh, they need to have that education on sexuality. And uh, a lot of women and girls, is, especially in like in, to this day in rural parts of Pakistan, many women would not share when they are on their periods. They often do not know who to ask. Uh, for help, uh, they struggle to get the the products and everything that they need. These uh, these products are often not available in schools, and uh, there's just a stigma attached to many of these things. Women uh, may not know about you know the other physical needs that they have, and uh, and you know and how do they need to take care of their body you know after marriage or during pregnancy. So I think you know this is something that we we have to start working on, and this is this is the focus of Malala Fund to work on. A quality education, but along with that, you know, digital education is also important, and we want girls to be fully equipped with the digital education that they need. There is disparity in that; uh, it is oftentimes associated with boys with men. So we want women to be equally equipped with the digital education that they need for their future, uh, and you know, to to fulfill their own dreams and to become active participants in society. So unfortunately, yes, there's a lot. There's a lot that we need to do. In changing the curriculum, in changing the content, but for me, it's you know, it's uh, focusing more on gender-related uh, education, on critical thinking, and and just you know, focusing on values and just learning more about society. So, to in order to prepare children to enter, you know, the world, because school time is considered as a, you know, as a preparation time. You're preparing them. You're giving them the skills that they need. It is about the content, but it's also about the skills that they develop. Uh, in um, so I think you know when they get out of university or, or out of schools, they should be informed to make uh, you know good decisions about their future, uh, including you know knowing about their taxes and uh, how to apply for jobs and where to find jobs, all of these things. Thank you so much, Malala, for that comprehensive Thanks. answer there. I just love the way that you're engaging with all the stigma, the taboos, and giving some real yeah. solutions as well. As a journalist, I would definitely second the critical thinking and everything that you yeah. said there. I'm hoping people took note. And our wonderful teacher here, Alia's former teacher, will take you <laughs> up on the offer to have you over in your educational <laughs> role. <laughs> we have a gentleman Thanks. at the mic at the back, so I'm just going to go straight to you there. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hi, Malala. Hi, Alia. Yeah. I'm Zuhair Hassan. I'm from Swat, Pakistan. Very and nice to meet you. Thank you. Uh, actually, I just want to ask one simple question from you. Uh, as I'm from Swat, I've faced and I've seen the situation where you and your family have been through and how you people have coped with it. But a simple question. Hero in a foreign country, villain back at home. How you are coping up? with this kind of situation. I'm a, I know you're on social media, 
you are, you are seeing a lot of comments, a lot of things from big home people, which like I don't want to stereotype some segment of society or some people. There are a lot of people. My family, for example, we like you, we like your father, we like how they have like brought you, how you are raising voice for the people, for the girls of our village, for the girls of our Pakistan. We really appreciate your contribution to that. But I just want to know the insight, how you are coping it with their sort of stigma or stereotyping or there. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Dera Manana in Pashto, thank you so much. And uh, uh, yes, I do come across uh, comments on social media, even though I ignore, I, I don't go to the comment section, but sometimes it's just unavoidable. You do come across it, you know, somewhere. Um, but for me, uh, as I mentioned, you know, that's not the important bit. The important bit is that you stay focused on your cause regarding the fact that, you know, I'm a hero outside and not one in, in Pakistan. I think I, I don't fully agree with that. Uh, uh, I, you know, I have I went to Pakistan in 2018, and uh, I, I have met many Pakistanis, uh, you know, in in different places, and I have never met anyone in person who has, uh, you know, called me the things that they would often uh, on on social media. So the things that I see on social media, I have not seen them in real life. I think you know when you meet people, uh, you know, it it brings in that human side. Uh, so I am, you know, I I'm more optimistic, and I do believe that you know I have support in Pakistan, and uh, uh, there are so many people who have uh, supported us in the cause, who have even sent their daughters to school because of you know looking at my story, who have even named their daughters after me. So the the phone calls that I receive, the people that I meet from Pakistan, uh, you know, I I don't see the hate, I don't see what I see on social media. So, uh, but. You know, it, so I think for me, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm very optimistic. I hope like one day I can, you know, go back to Pakistan again. It's unfortunate it's the COVID that's keeping me home right now. But hopefully, you know, once things are, when things get better, I hope that I can go back to Pakistan and, uh, and you know, engage in the work that we are doing there. We are doing projects in Pakistan, including one in our, uh, in our village in Shangla. Uh, which you know did not have a higher secondary school for girls education before. So we are you know working on a state of the art school there to ensure that girls in that uh, in that village can continue uh, their education and and receive the quality education that they need. So I'm I'm really excited and, I, and I'm positive. You know hopefully uh, yeah I I, hope, I don't think this Pakistan that I see on social media actually exists. So. I think the real Pakistan is much better and, and kinder and supportive. Thank you, Malala. I think that's a very fair response. And thank you for engaging with that question. Um, I think we've got time to squeeze in just a few little more questions. If you can keep your questions really short, what I'm going to do is there's a lady at the mic here and a young lady here. I'm going to ask you both to ask your questions. And then Malala can give you answers very quickly to those, because we've literally got a few minutes before the live stream finishes. Hi, Malala. My name is Maria Veronica, visual artist from Ecuador, living in Dubai. Congratulations for everything. When you arrived to Oxford, what, what were the most relevant and symbolic experiences that you had that nourished your mission? And what are the most relevant encounters as well with personalities that inspire you? OK, Thank brilliant. You. And before you answer, Malala, the young lady, so I want to make sure that question is asked. Please do ask your question, and then Malala can engage with both of those. Hi, my name is Claudia, and I'm from Italy. I would just like to ask you, how was it like going to school with the fear about people just coming in and telling you that it's closed because girls can't go to school and you're not mm -hmm. allowed to go? Brilliant questions. Malala, over to you. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll answer the school question first. Uh, in Pakistan, it was a difficult time. Like. Uh, a point came when the Taliban had announced the ban on girls' education till the 15th of January 2009. They said, like, after that, no girl will be able to go to school. So we continued going to school till that day. We were like, we are gonna, we are not gonna stop going to school, uh, you know, until we can make it, like, to the last minute. So I, we even changed our uniform. We were not going to school in our uniform. We were going in the home clothes, wear a big scarf around us, you know, hide our bag, hide our books. Uh, under our shawls and and continue learning. So it was scary, but 
what was more scary was not to be in school i did not want to be an uneducated girl i did not want to be uh, you know forced into early marriages or just become a mother and just not know about my rights who i am and how i can contribute to my society and just having my own voice so i i did not want to see that and it is true so many women never get the opportunity to express themselves to have their rights to even do what they want to do in their lives their dreams are just you know all of a sudden taken away from them because their education is taken away from them so i did not want to be uh, you know in in that situation so yes it was a scary journey but you know we had to continue it for our future uh, regarding my time in oxford it was one of uh, you know my most memorable times and i really enjoyed it i made incredible friends and the colleges in oxford are just so beautiful some of them are like 800 900 years old and you are just fascinated by the fact that so many incredible people have studied here and i went to the college where benazir bhutto studied uh, lady margaret hall and it was also the first women's college in oxford uh, which was which was started only 100 years ago so to know that it was just 100 years ago that women were allowed to get into these colleges before that you know for all the, the some seven something 100 years it was only for men uh, so it it is really it brings in that uh, you know that value that you know education should not be taken uh, for granted especially by women uh, and that women have still so much to do uh, and you know and and make sure that they inspire the future generation of girls and women to you know get their education to help change the world and uh, to become role models for the future generation so my time in oxford was great we have beautiful gardens uh, and i made incredible friends and uh, yeah it's you know you sort of forget who you are and you are just there you know dwelling in that university life uh, listening to debates and speeches and going to the oxford union um regarding my role models and inspirations i you know i i'm really inspired uh, by uh, you know by my parents uh, ethics and 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 just their kindness uh, but again the heroic figures that we have in our history from nelson mandela to martin luther king bacha khan or pashtun leader uh, to benazir bhutto and so many others we have amazing and incredible people in our history i would not be able to name all of them who have done incredible work uh and shown that you know that the good is still there and the good can actually make this world a better place uh and uh, i also get really inspired from the girls that i have met uh so far in you know in different countries from nigeria to iraq and just hearing their inspiring stories of how they are not giving up on their dreams some of them have to become refugees and displaced but they still dream for a better future for themselves and their countries uh and you know i remember hearing one girl how she was forced into marriage at age 14 and on her wedding day she took off her high heels and she ran away to protect herself uh and then because of isis she became internally displaced and even was you know shot in her hand but she did not give up and she is still there in a in an informal settlement trying to get her education in the best way that she can uh so these are the stories that inspire you because if these girls are not giving up despite all the difficulties that they are facing why should we give up we have no excuses so we have to continue this fight for girls education make sure that all girls can uh, have safe and quality education and all girls can become uh, you know incredible leaders uh, like uh, you know leaders and and change makers like alia and uh, you know inspire many other girls and and help uh, make this world a better place for everyone That's such a hopeful note to end on and we're going to give you a round of applause there to both of you very inspiring ladies. I'm afraid we have run out of time. So just a very quick round of thank yous to you the audience to live stream audience I hope you're still with us to also to say thank you to the wonderful festival team from the organizers that have managed to pull this off during a pandemic to the team to the volunteers to the translators of course to the festival's title sponsor Emirates Airline. the founding partner Dubai Culture this session's special sponsor Dubai Department of Tourism and Commerce Marketing the festival um, parent organization the Emirates Literature Foundation and of course our inspiring speakers once again Alia and Malala I'm like to say that you like my 
global younger sisters. Someone might say I'm more like an auntie to you, but I'm going to go with sisters. And I would say it sounds like it's going to be a crowded time in Mars because Ali is inviting us all. But before we get to Mars, we're going to make sure that Malala, you do please join us here in the UAE post-pandemic. I know you have a deep relationship with the UAE and we would love to see you back here. Thank you so much, Thank everybody. You. Thank you so much.